we're in this uh, we're in this series on elementary discipleship, and uh, if you are interested in buying a book, elementary discipleship, it's out at the uh, welcome table there, and and uh, it'd be good to get a copy of that so you can read along uh, with what we're talking about. Uh, today is uh, interesting because almost everybody who's been a part of Axis Church has heard what I'm about to talk about today, okay? Uh, but it's really good if you're going to be disciples, you have to not only understand the gospel, you also have to understand how to teach the gospel to somebody else. And so there are actually some journals in the back, or you might be able to use your note page today. And I would encourage you, it's just blank, you can write in notes. Uh, if you wanted to grab one of those here during the message, you can do that. Uh, I'm going to just walk through not only what is the gospel, but also how do you share the gospel with other people, Okay. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. But uh, first, let me pray for you. God, we just give you thanks today for loving us. Thank you for Christ. God, thank you for everybody who's here today. Just continue to watch over us, God, and help us to understand what the great message of the gospel is, how do we know it, and then, to God, how do we share it? And we just pray for that in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, it was many years ago, in about 1991 or 92, I was a youth and worship pastor in a church in Blountville, Tennessee. It was very near the college where we were at the time, and here I was. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher, and I'm in a Christian college. I'm learning about ministry, and one of the moms at the church said, hey, my son would like to know about the gospel, would know about making a decision to become a Christian, and so I said, that sounds great. How old is he? And she said, well, he's young. He's six years old. And that was pretty young. But I said, all right, I'll share with him. We'll just, you know, see how, what, he, what he wants to know about it. And that's great. So we began to talk, and uh, we're there at the house, and, and uh, we're talking. And I'm talking about what Jesus did for him and why he did what he did, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, in the middle of my conversation with him, this six-year-old boy raises his hand. It's just me and him right there around the dinner table, but I guess that's what you do when you have a question. He raises his hand. I was like, yes, can I help you? He goes, it's literally what he said. How did one man dying save me from my sins? And that was a deep question for a six-year-old, and honestly, it caught me off guard a little bit. And I stepped back, and I was like, well, here's what happened. In the Old Testament, there was a sin, and then when mankind sinned, there was a death price for that. That's how serious God is about sin. And in fact, what we see is like there's animals that had to be sacrificed, and every year the priest had to take the perfect animal, the unblemished animal, and they were sacrificing that. And this kid, his eyes were like huge, as big as saucers. And I could tell that I had made this greatest gift in the world very hard to open. Uh, Jonathan, my brother, is a gift giver. When I was a kid, uh, I was maybe 9 or 8 or 9, 10, and he was maybe 12 or 13. I don't remember exactly, but uh, it was Christmas time, and the biggest gift of all he gave for me. And uh, I was excited. I, I don't know about you. Some of you guys tear into those gifts right at the beginning. I waited till the end to open that gift. And so I started, waited. I waited till so excited for the weeks up to Christmas. I was so excited. I opened the gift. And guess what was in there? A box. I'm like, okay. And it was all wrapped up. And I opened that gift. And guess what was in that? Another box. And then I opened that gift. And there was another something in there. Guess what was in there? No. It was, uh, I was a lot of newspaper. And I like ripped through the newspaper. I'm like, what is this? Is this just torture? Is he just like, you know, doing what he does sometimes? Is he just like making this into I don't get it. And in the bottom of that box was a brick. He gave me a brick for Christmas. Hey, it was just great. It was like one of the 
best gifts ever, newspaper and a brick. But next to the brick was a Polaroid camera. It wasn't a new Polaroid camera. It was a camera that he had that he knew that I liked. And so he got that Polaroid camera, knowing that I liked it, put it in the bottom of that box with a brick so it would throw me off so I wouldn't be able to figure out what it was and put all that newspaper and all that effort into it. And, 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 but I just wonder, why do we make some of the greatest gifts so hard to open? What is the greatest gift? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John three sixteen. God gave his only son. It's the greatest gift of all time, given to everybody. But as disciples, we need to know how do we receive the gift, and we need to know how do we give the gift and make it easy to open for people. And that's what I'm going to help you understand today. Now, after that conversation was with that young man years ago, I began to really search and really say, I need to know how to make this easy for people to gravitate toward. And so I came across an illustration called the bridge illustration. You've heard it before if you've heard from me at all. And, uh, but if you haven't, then I'm going to share it with you. And for those of you who have heard this, I want you to use this as a teaching opportunity where you are now thinking about how can I share this with somebody else, okay? Because we want to equip you and empower, empower you to be able to share the gospel with other people, all right? So here's the bridge illustration. I always talk about God's purpose. God's purpose. What is God's purpose? Everybody wants to know, what is God's plan for my life? Does God have a plan for me? And so I always start with this. And by the way, I've written this on the back of napkins, uh, on the back of the paper that they put in on the Wendy's hamburger trays. And I've just pulled it over and said, hey, let me share the gospel with you. I've shared it with people of all ages. You need to be able to do that. So I just write on there, God's purpose. And I always talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for your life. Everybody wants to know what is God's purpose. And so we break it down. What is God's purpose? One purpose is to know Him. God wants you to know Him. And how many of you are parents in here? Raise your hand if you're a parent in here. And uh, if you have a kid, you know this feeling of what it means to, to want your child to know you and to be known by them and, uh, and, for, and for them to know, to know you. And, and when, I, when Benjamin was born, our first child, I remember we're so excited before he's born because always the first child gets all the pictures, all the videos, and all the attention. And, 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 but we would talk in the belly. Hey! Dad, you know, it's always muffled. He doesn't know what he's, he doesn't even understand English, but somehow maybe he'll understand, hear our voice. And, and, uh, and so then he's born, but when he was born, he had the cord wrapped around his neck. The doctor said, we got to get him out right now, and he's losing oxygen. And so they get him out as quickly as they can. They use like a big plunger thing, and there's a huge sucker mark in his head, and he's blue. He's a little blue baby. And soon after, they rush him off into the area. And I remember distinctly remembering, remembering looking through the window at Miami Valley Hospital into his unit, and he's in there, and I'm out here. And I'm thinking, I wish we could communicate. I want to get to know you. I want to be able to bond with you. I want to build a relationship with you. And so you understand this feeling. The Bible says we're made in God's image. And so if God is somebody who loves relationship, so are we. We are people that are built for relationship. God wants you to know him. That's why it says in John 17, 26, Jesus said, I have come to make you, Father, known to them. Known to them. He wants to know you. He also wants you to praise him. He wants you to praise him. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
In other words, he's saying, I want you to praise me. And God does deserve our praise, doesn't he? I mean, he's the one who created us, loved us, sustains us. He deserves our praise. He wants you to praise him. And he also wants you to have a fulfilling life. Now, a fulfilling life does not mean a perfect life. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, for your kids, do you, you want them to have a perfect life? No, you know they're not going to. Did you put them on the bike for the first time knowing they'd fall? Yeah. Did you let them date even though you knew they might get their heart broken? Yes, unless they're your daughters. Amen. Unless they're your daughters. I like Becca's approach to this. She, before they come in the door, she'll say to one of her friends that aren't a, aren't a boy friend, aren't a boyfriend, and she'll say, um, she'll say, he's my friend, he's not my boyfriend. I said, okay. And, uh, but before they come inside, she'll say, uh, hey, uh, my dad's the scariest guy I know. I love that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, he is so scary. And Lisa will be like, oh, nice to have you here. So welcome. And I'm always like, what's up? What's up? She used to pull up. Drop and give me 50, you know. Anyway, so uh, but this is what we, what we do, all right? And so you know that your child might have their heart broken, but you want them to have a fulfilling life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So that's God's purpose for you. He might have a specific purpose, but that's the general purpose. Know him, praise him, and have a fulfilling life. And I'll just write that down when I'm talking to people. And then we talk about our problem. Even though God has a plan for your life, we have marred that plan through what the Bible calls sin. And sin is simply missing the mark. It is God had a plan, and we are off course a bit. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us. There's not one person that's perfect other than Jesus. Romans 3.10 says there's no one righteous, not even one. And because of that sin in our life, there's a penalty. So Romans 3.23, if you're taking notes, tells us about everyone's sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what you earn for your sin, what you deserve for your sin is death. A death penalty, a punishment for eternity, an eternal separation from God. Another key verse here, Isaiah 59, 2, says, Be sure that, that your sins have cut you off from God. And so we see us on one side, God on the other. And man's great question for all of time has been, how do we get back in right relationship with God? How do we get over there? I, I'll, I'll ask that to people sometimes. They give a variety of answers. My favorite is the one young boy who took my paper from me, and he drew like a stick figure and a, like a little catapult thing, and he's like, I'm just going to catapult over there. It was creative. It's impossible, but it was creative. And a lot of people will say, well, I just want to, what if I just go to church? In other words, maybe you grew up in that tradition. If I just go to church enough, then that'll be it, and I'll be able to get over to God's side. But how many times do you have to go to church to pay that price, that death price? Some people say, well, I just need to pray, and that's great. You should pray, but how many times do you have to pray to be able to get to God's side, to be able to, you can't pray yourself there. That doesn't pay for the price. And some people say, well, just be good enough. And this is what we see. All of our attempts start with us trying to build our way over to God. And if you look at every other world religion, that's where they start. They always start with, if you're just good enough, if you give enough, if you pray enough, if you work hard enough and if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, somehow the God of the universe will say, all right, it's all good to go. But the answer to that kid's question that asked me years ago at that church, how does one man die and save me from my sins? Well, that's the answer. The answer is we owed a death price 
And the difference between Christianity and every other world religion is God himself built his way back to us. And that's why we put the bridge illustration here. And when you think about this, we use John 3.16 as really a key verse. Because why? And this is God's payment. For God so loved the world that he gave the greatest gift ever. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him will not what? Perish. But I'll have everlasting life. And on our side, you see the word perish. We will not perish. We will not die for eternities. Eternal separation from God. But we will have life with him. John 3, 16. Or another verse, the, the rest of Romans 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have a problem, but God offered a payment to pay that price for us. That's the reason Christ came. Now, this is a gift that's given for all people of all times across the entire world. But the problem is, not everybody receives the gift. How many of you know you have to receive a gift in order to make it yours? I like to say, let's say that the, all of you got together, you love this illustration so much today, and, and you're like, hey, let's all get together, and we're going we're gonna to get Stephen something he really, really is going to enjoy and love. Let's buy him B- Bengals season tickets. Now, that used to be better than it is now. But anyway... It still works, all right? And we all get together and say, this is going to be great. He's going to love it. And what would happen if that season comes and goes, and we have an after-season party, and it happens to be at my house, and you're all there, and you're all so excited. How was the season, Stephen? Did you enjoy the games? Did you enjoy watching? Did you enjoy seeing our new quarterback play? I mean, how was it? Wasn't it great? And then up on my mantle, you see a box that has Bengals wrapping paper on it, a little bow, little name tag to Stephen from your loving church family, but it never was opened. Now, how would you feel? Like, doggone it. Why would he not open that? We we knew how much he loved that. What's his problem? Maybe you'd feel offended. Maybe you'd feel bothered by that. But here's the deal. Unless I receive and acclimate that gift into my life, it's not really something that I've used. It's not mine. And the gift of Jesus is offered to everybody, but not everybody receives the gift. Not everybody accepts it. Not everybody wants it, even. Now, by the way, at this point in the bridge illustration, a lot of times I'll ask somebody I'm talking to, I'll say, now, if you were to put an X on this bridge somewhere or on this chart somewhere, where would you put the chart where you are right now? And there are some people who put an X on God's side. They're like, yeah, I'm totally on God's side. I'm totally sold out. I'm really excited about what God's doing in my life. Sometimes I will have somebody who puts like an X on the, like the far side of us, right? They're like, I'm on this side. I'm far away from God. And actually, I'm kind of right now, I mean, the only thing I'm really good at is sinning. I like sinning. I think I'm just going to stay over here, right? And there, there are those people who do that. A lot of times I'll find somebody who puts maybe the X right before the cross, and they say, boy, I'd, I'd like, I'm ready, I think. Some people put it right in the middle and say, I'm kind of in both worlds right now. Kind of living in both. But in order to receive the gift, we have, we have a part. And so our part, how do you receive the gift into your life? And, and we say the first and most important step is to believe that he exists, that Jesus exists, and that he paid the price for your sin. Believe it. All right? So underneath our part, I'll just write the word believe. Believe it. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Believe it. Believe it. Believe that Easter is more than a 
bunny and chocolate eggs. Believe that Christmas is more than Santa and the reindeer. Believe that Jesus Christ came into our world, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and on the third day resurrected from the grave. He paid the price for your sin on the cross. Believe that. And I always tell people, if you're not sure you believe that, let us know. I mean, we would be happy to walk you through why do we believe in God? Why do we believe in the Bible? Why do we believe in Jesus? There's a lot of great resources out there uh, by guys like Lee Strobel or Josh McDowell or others that have written uh, on, a, on a topic called apologetics or defending the faith. And so if you're not sure why you believe, there's ample evidence to believe why God is who he says he is. Believe. Now, is belief enough? A lot of times you'll hear people say, just believe it. That's it. Believe it and receive it. That's all you need to do. But the problem with that is, the Bible says even the devil believes, the devil and his angels believe, and they shudder. But are the devil and his angels promised eternal life? They believe it in their head, but they know it's true, but they have not trusted in that. They have never said yes to that. They've never accepted God's payment, and so they have, have maybe they believe it in their mind. So belief is only one thing. It's important. The second thing is confession. And confession is our ongoing admission of commitment to Christ. Jesus told his disciples, in Matthew 10 32 whoever acknowledges me before men I will acknowledge before my father in heaven it's not just a one-time thing where maybe at a church or a gathering where you say I believe that Jesus is the Christ I want him to be my Savior but it's every day of your life living in a way that says I believe in Christ in your words and in your actions in Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So confess. And number three is repent. If you're going to receive the gift, you have to repent. And repentance is admitting that you've sinned, and you're pledging now that you're going to live a life for God. You're going to try to stay away from sin. I, I, I was at a community group a couple weeks ago. Rob Carpenter, who leads worship up in Middletown, he was there, and they had this question about what is repentance? And he gave an illustration that I'm like, it's so good. He said, let's imagine that you sold your old house and you bought a new house, all right? And the old house is to the left off of an exit, and the new house is off to the right off of an exit. And you get off that exit, but because of habit and other things, you accidentally turn left towards your old house. And as you're driving to your old house out of habit, you realize, oh, my goodness, my new house is to the right. There's no reason to go back to my old house. And so you physically turn the car around and you head to your new house. And even though it's tempting, it's comfortable to go to that old house, we want you to go to that new house, that new residence. I was like, that's so good. I wish that was in the book, man. Come on. I'd even give you credit. Like, put it on there. Rob Carpenter said this at a community group meeting. It's great. Repentance is you're going to an old habit, old way, and you realize, and you turn around and go back the other way. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to salvation. And then, baptism. Baptism is a celebration. It's a declaration of our faith in Jesus and commitment to Him as Lord. Now, there's some disagreement on baptism. Some people do it for sprinkling. Some do for infants. Some uh, immerse. Some have adults uh, do this. But I always say, let's just see what the Bible says about this and realize this was so significant in the New Testament. 
First of all, it was commanded by Jesus, Matthew 28. Jesus said, go into all the world and baptize people. So people ask, why do you baptize people? Because Jesus said it, and when he says it, we do it. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Secondly, it was by immersion. And why was that important? Because just as Jesus died and was resurrected, he gave us a way to declare our faith by being baptized, being buried, and being raised again. Colossians 2.12 says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. It was also for those who were old enough to believe and repent. There are no matter your tradition, there were no examples in the Bible of an infant being baptized. Uh, there were no ex examples at all of that. It, it, maybe as early as the second century in the Catholic Church, they began to uh, have a few examples of infants being baptized. It wasn't until much later that it became much more prominent in the church. And then it marks a beginning point of my new life as a Christian. We are born again. We are buried and raised to new life. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses on this is Romans chapter 6, verse 3, where it says, who, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him like this in his resurrection. For we know our old life was crucified and buried so that the body of sin might be done away with. That way we should no longer be slaves to sin. It's a great visual picture of that declaration of death and burial and resurrection. Now, I often tell people, if you make that step, if you receive the gift, if you believe in him, you confess him as Lord, you repent, you're baptized, here's the results of that. And these are all the good results. And so up at the top, I'll write just simply uh, God's promise to us. He promises, number one, you have forgiveness of sins. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul tells us that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness— and brought us to the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He brought us out of darkness into light, Colossians chapter 1. He forgives all your sins, not just your current ones, your past ones, and your current ones, and your future ones. Forgiveness of sins. He also promises He's going to help you. And I love that because we need God's help and guidance in our life. So He says, if you receive the gift, I'm going to give you hope. And I'm going to give you help in your life. And how many of you know, it's hard enough to live this life without help. And we need God's help. We need God's support. That's why it says in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so I say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. God gives us help. And then we're promised heaven when we die. We're promised heaven. And, and we know that when we move from this life to the next life, when we have received Christ and we have accepted that gift, what happens? We know when we die, we go to heaven. I've done a lot of funerals in my ministry, a lot, a ton of funerals. And, and I can summarize the difference between those who have faith in Christ and those who don't in just a couple phrases. Because the minister always stands in kind of a real personal moment at the head of the casket after the funeral service. And as the family's coming by, they're greeting their loved one, they're kissing them, and the difference can be expressed in these two phrases. 
either goodbye or I'll see you soon. That's the difference. And I've heard it over and over again. Goodbye or I'll see you soon. Those who have faith, they'll say, I'll see you soon. It won't be long. We'll go from this side to the other. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says that we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We do have hope. And so once I lay all this out to somebody and I'm teaching them the gospel, I'll ask them a lot of times if they're ready to receive Christ. Do you believe it? And if they say, yeah, I believe it, I'm like, well, great, you've already done step one and two. You already believed it, you already confessed it. And now let's, you repent of your sins. God, I'm sorry. And you're baptized. And so we ask people a lot of times, and by the way, you can kind of mark yourself on this. Um, some of you, you've realized the gift. You've mentally said, yeah, I get it. I realize it. It's a stage of awareness. Jesus died for me. I understand that. Some of you have moved from that stage to, real, to receiving the gift. And you've said, yes, I want to believe the gospel. It's just, I not only see it, I not only acknowledge it, but I also believe it. And then you've responded to it. You've gone through those steps. You said, I believe it, and I repent, and I confess, and I want to be baptized. Some of you have already made that step. And if you haven't, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you today. We never know what's going to happen in our life. We never know. And, and the Bible is very clear about what happens when we die. And all of us need to be ready to meet Christ. We all need to be ready to be baptized, to repent, to confess, and to believe. And if you haven't done that, you need to do that. Some of you are at the stage where you've already done that, but now you're remembering the gift. In other words, you, you acknowledge it, and you are now remembering it. You're reflecting back on that decision that you made, and you're remembering always what Jesus did for you. That's one of the reasons we do communion in here every weekend. We like to remember the gift. And then there's another category, and that are those, there are those who will refuse the gift. They'll say, no, I don't want it. I don't want that gift. I know it was offered, but I'm going to refuse that gift. And there are those who do that as well. And so where are you today on this chart? And if you've already received the gift and you've responded to it, are you now equipped and prepared to be able to share that with other people? It's so important. Don't make the gift hard to open. Uh, several years ago, I had an elder of the church I was serving uh, named Elmer Blackwell. And Elmer was just such a good man. and He loved the Lord. He was a welder <laughs> by trade and a uh, smart man. Uh, but he was a welder by trade, and he had another friend named Gene, Mr. Montgomery, and he was in his 80s, and he was a welder friend too. And one day, Elmer came to me, and he said, Hey, Steve, I want to go. Let's go talk to this guy, Gene Montgomery. He's in the nursing home right now. He's at the end of his life, and he doesn't know Jesus. I want to make sure he knows Jesus. Can you go with me, and would you share the gospel with him? I was like, sure, absolutely, I'll go with you. And so we take off. We go to the nursing home. There's Mr. Montgomery in his nursing home bed. And I begin to share with him the gospel. Hey, Mr. Montgomery, I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you. And, uh, boy, I want to tell you about God. Would that be all right? Oh, okay, that sounds fine. And I begin to share with him. And I started going through the concepts. And I started walking through everything. I wanted him to get it down. You know, he needs to know this stuff. And there was a lot of words. I don't remember all what they were. I just know there were a lot of them. And, and finally, when it looked like his eyes were glossed over, much like that six-year-old boy from many, many years ago, uh, Elmer, this simple, loving man, put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, Gene, what Steve's trying to tell you is he and I are going to heaven. He wants to know, do you want to go with us? 
And that was it, man. And Gene goes, yeah. And I was like, well, that's pretty easy there. And so we baptized Gene. We baptized Gene in the, uh, in the, in the hot tub, the jacuzzi tub there in the nursing home. And, uh, and it wasn't very long before Gene uh, left this life and went to the life to come. Uh, you, you evaluate the situation. Sometimes you share the bridge. Sometimes you say, here's what God did for you, and you share it out because they want to know more information. And sometimes it's just as simple. The person's already ready, and we just need to say, hey, listen, I'm going to heaven. I just want to know, will you, you want to go with me? You want to go with me? And so what we're doing is we're teaching you. We're equipping you, I hope, on how to not only be a disciple, but how to make disciples. And every single person needs to be able to be able to share the gospel in a way that makes sense so that we can make the gift of Christ as easy to open and receive as possible. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the message today. And God, I pray that all of us would be so equipped to be able to share the gospel with people. And God, I pray for those who've never received the gift, that today even, they would look for an opportunity to come to us, to talk, to pray together, and say, I want that gift. I want heaven when I die. I want to know Jesus. I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to repent of my sins. I want to confess Him as Lord. And God, I pray for those who need to make that decision. They not delay. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. This is the hour. The hour has come. So God, I pray for that right now. Yes, it's a commitment. But God, the greatest gift of all was given, and we don't want to neglect that gift. We want to have it be part of our life and part of our future. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.